Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want to say welcome to Easter at Bethesda once again. We're truly honored that you are here today. You could have been a lot of places this weekend, but you chose to spend it with us, and it's our honor to host you today. Today, we're kicking off a brand new series called From the Grave, and I would love for you to come back over the next two weeks as we unpack some things that I believe will give you keys. God God wants to give you some keys so that you can experience a comeback story, because Easter is the ultimate comeback story. Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave, and, and, and that's good for Jesus. Like, we can celebrate that, but it's also good news for you. So today, I want to talk to you about this thought, believe again, believe again. Now, let me ask, how many of you enjoy a good comeback story? Come on, if you enjoy a good comeback story. Like, like I love comeback stories. And, and let me just go ahead and ask, do I have any sports fans in the house? Any sports fans? Like, I, I love sports, and I really love the comebacks, the, the underdog stories, the Cinderella stories. If I don't have a team that's playing in a playoff series or a, a tournament game, I will often pick the underdog and say, man, let's, let's ride with them to see if they can pull this off. And in preparation for this message, I started thinking about some of the greatest comebacks that I have ever witnessed. Um, I'm going to date some of you with the first one that I want to give you uh, because some of you are going to say, I wasn't even born yet, Pastor, can you move on? But in 1993, uh, some of you will remember an NFL playoff game between the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Oilers in which Houston went up 35-3 to in the second half, all right? This is not first half. This is second half. That's the part in the game on a Sunday afternoon you turn off and you take your little cat nap, right? But, but what happens is the backup quarterback, Frank Reich, some of you will remember this, he throws four touchdown passes for the Buffalo Bills, and the Bills come back from 32 points down to win the ball game 41 to 38. How many of y'all remember that comeback? Some of y'all remember that. Here's one more recent, all right? 2004, the New York Yankees are facing the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, division in the house. All right, but, but, the, but the, there is a three-nothing lead for the Yankees, and so everybody's talking about the curse, right? Boston can't get past the curse. They're never going to win it. But if you stayed tuned in to that series, you know that Boston reeled off four straight victories, beat the New York Yankees with that comeback, and went on to win the World Series because it was a comeback. Now, my personal favorite comes from my favorite player of all time, the greatest player of all time, Reggie Miller. See, I didn't get any cheers. Just my favorite player, all right. Uh, But anyway, they were down six points with 18 seconds, and you know what happened in 1995 against the Knicks. Reggie Miller scores eight points in the last 18 seconds, and the Pacers beat the Knicks. We love comeback stories. But not only do we love comeback stories, I believe God loves the comeback story. Here's what Jesus said about the comeback in Revelation 1.18. He said, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, amen, and I hold the keys 
of death and Hades. So what is Easter really about? Easter is a time that we celebrate this truth. Jesus conquered the ultimate it's over moment. This is the greatest comeback story. Now you may be here and maybe you're not a believer in Jesus and you may ask, why should I believe in Jesus? And the answer is really simple. The reason you should believe in Jesus is because Jesus was dead and now he is alive. That, that, it's a simple answer to a complex question because his resurrection was not merely a philosophical renaissance of his teachings or his ideas. He literally rose from the grave. He got up that the power of God exploded inside of that tomb. And there was such power involved that the scriptures say that the earth shook and Jesus physically walked out of the tomb. It's no fairy tale. It's not a legend. It, it, it is the power of God on display. Now, for some of you, uh, you're skeptical, and, and I get it. The only reason you're here today is because you got 27 invites, and you're like, so all of y'all will shut up. I'll come on Easter, and, but, but this story is just a little over the top for you, and I just want to put you at ease and say, no worries. I get where you're coming from. A man died and then got up again, and we put our faith in him. I understand that is a lot to take in if you're skeptical, but what I want to say to you is that I can't speak for all churches, but I can speak for Bethesda Church. We're glad you're here. We're, we're, we're thrilled that you're here, and we are a church where you can belong before you believe. Amen, Bethesda? We're just glad you're here. Now, I, I want to say it like this. I think you should consider becoming a Christian even though you know some Christians. You all got it. Last night's crowd didn't get it. Karen's like, your joke went flat. But y'all, everybody's got it today. I think the Saturday night people were in a fog last night. But, but I know you worked for one. I know you know some hypocrites. And I, you know, people that are not reflecting what a relationship with Christ actually looks like. But I want to encourage you to become a follower of Jesus in spite of your pain, in spite of your questions, in spite of your unanswered prayers, that, that you become a follower of Jesus because of Easter. Easter is so powerful because the awesome part of the story is that the, the story of resurrection was given to us by people who eyewitnessed it. That the followers of Jesus served him, loved him, they watched him die, they gave up, but then they saw him rise from the grave, and then they delivered to us this powerful message of resurrection. So I don't want you to take my word for it this morning. I want you to hear from them because the foundation of the Christian faith is not uh, answered prayers. It's not good behavior. The, the foundation of, of our faith is not Christians. The foundation of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus does not get up on the third day, our faith is null and void. There would be no reason at all for us to be here to lift up the name of Jesus had he not defeated death. And the beauty of the story is that this weekend there are millions of people gathered together to lift up the name of Jesus, a Jewish carpenter. Now, how many know that's crazy when you think about it? 
millions of people, one-third of the world will gather together this weekend and lift up the name of this Jewish carpenter that we call Jesus. And the question is, is why? There is really no plausible explanation. I mean, think about this name. Caesar Augustus, maybe you remember that back in history class. Some of you are like, no, I didn't pay attention. Well, maybe if you teach history, you remember, right? But, but Caesar Augustus is a name that we hear every year right around Christmas. And he was the first Roman emperor. And, and that's a big deal, being the first Roman emperor. But he's mentioned not for what he accomplished, not for what he did. He is mentioned every year at Christmas, check this out, as a footnote in the story of Jesus. This story is so amazing because when we look at it, the early church, after the resurrection of Christ, they did not have a Bible for 300 years. Like, can you imagine trying to do this without the Scriptures? Y'all smile. I can't see you, but smile. Not only did they not have a Bible, they had the Roman Empire that was trying to wipe them out. And they had the Jews that thought that they were a cult and trying to stomp them out. But now there is no more Roman Empire and there are far more Christians than there are Orthodox Jews. This tiny handful of Jesus followers survived all of that. And here we are 2,000 years later gathered together to lift up the name of Jesus because he defeated death. Isn't that powerful? See, how, how does that happen? I mean, when a movement, civil rights, you know, you think about movements that got started. Most movements start with, with unrest. It starts with division. It starts with a charismatic leader who rises up and has the ability to galvanize people and get them moving in a different direction that goes against the grain to produce the change. That's the normal trajectory. But with the story of Jesus, it doesn't go that way because Jesus never talks about a revolution. He never talks about overthrowing the Roman Empire. He, he doesn't talk about an insurrection. He talks about none of those things. On the other hand, when his disciples asked him, they, they, they said, Jesus, what is your agenda? What, what is your kingdom? What, what, when is all this going to happen? And Jesus told them very plainly, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. He took it a totally different direction. And what we learn from Jesus is that his message was all about Jesus. His message was all about himself. He asked his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, Jeremiah, Isaiah, a prophet. And he said, well, I really want to know what you guys think. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, as usual, stands up and he says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus didn't say, now, Peter, you're getting carried away. He said, you know what, Peter? You're exactly right, but you didn't get that on your own. My father has revealed that to you. He did not shy away that he was the son of God. Jesus' message was all about Jesus. When John the Baptist was baptizing people and Jesus came walking by, John didn't stop the, the service and say, look, there is a man who will tell us about a man that will take away the sins of the world. John stopped the whole baptism thing and he said, there is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the entire world. Jesus' message was all always about Jesus. And the reason that is important is because he walked with the disciples. When he walked with them, they were pumped up. 
They were excited. They had faith. But when Jesus died, when you study the scriptures, the moment Jesus died, the disciples lost their faith. And they gave up. Their hopes died when Jesus died. And that's a, it's a part of the story we don't talk about very often. We talk about the resurrection and how they rallied around that truth. But the, the real truth is, is that the moment Jesus died, they gave up. And the reason is because Jesus did not encourage them to trust his teachings, to trust his ideas. Jesus was his own message. He taught them to trust in him, to put their trust in him. And so he was his own message, and they struggled because even on one occasion, Philip said, I I can't follow you. You're all over the place, Jesus. We can't grasp or comprehend what you're talking about. And and you can almost hear the frustration in in Philip's voice when he asks this question or, or demands this. He says, please show us the Father. Just show us the Father. We just need to see the Father. And Jesus replies in John 14, 9, he said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus was his message. Jesus, his, his entire message was about him. So when he died, they had nothing to pass on. They had no revolution to pass on, no teaching to pass on. When Jesus died, no one believed his message, and the movement died because Jesus was the movement. When Jesus died, Scripture says that all of his followers scattered. And it's intriguing because the people who brought us the message of resurrection, the same people that followed him for three and a half years, they first present themselves as cowards. Like if you're going to write yourself into your own story, how many know that most of us, nine times out of ten, if we're going to write ourselves into a story, we're going to write ourselves in as the hero. Like we're going to be Iron Man, Superman, Batman. We're going to save the day. And I'm sure that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when they were writing about how they all lost faith and had given up and nobody was there to see him rise because no one believed that he would rise, I'm sure they were like, God, can we leave this part of the story out? But we know that they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit and wrote as the Holy Spirit inspired them. And the Holy Spirit was like, no, 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 no. You're going to write and you're going to communicate to the world that when he died, you all threw in the towel. Because it's going to be powerful when, he, when, when people see that the moment he got up, you rallied around the truth. Because, listen, guys, without the resurrection, there is no point in any of it. The resurrection is what validates what Jesus did. But what we need to know is that at the cross, there were no Christians there. No followers of Jesus waiting on him to rise. Why? Because Messiahs don't die, right? I mean, if you're a Messiah, you're not going to die. And Jesus said, I'm the Messiah. If you're the resurrection and the life, surely you're not going to die yet. Jesus died. If you're the son of God, there's no way you can die. Yet the son of God died. So how are we here? How did the movement survive? How is it that one-third of the world is going to worship Jesus this weekend? It's very simple. It's all about Easter. It's all about resurrection. John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. This is so important, a detail that we often miss because Mary Magdalene is mentioned in the story. And it's, it's important because women during this time period, not now, but in this time period, not me, it's God's word, all right? In, in, in this time period, women, all right, had no credibility, 
so little credibility that they were not even allowed to testify in court. So Mary Magdalene being there actually discredits the story of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because a woman is a part of it. Do you know why a woman is a part of it? Because a woman was a part of it. And God gave us the whole story, verse 2. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. I'm going to stop right there. The one Jesus loved was John. You know who wrote that? John. He loves me more than all y'all. He had that kind of thing going on. It says, and they have taken the Lord. Listen to what she said. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Notice. Mary Magdalene doesn't say, he's risen. He's defeated death. He's conquered death. No, she says, they have stolen his body, y'all. Can you believe? We love Jesus. Then they've taken his body. Like She doesn't even get it at this point that he's actually defeated death. And, and so let me say it like this. Outside the tomb, there was no one out there outside of the tomb on the third day going, 10, 9, 8. There was no countdown. There was no worship team playing music ready to introduce Jesus after he's defeated death. No parade, no band, no party, no floats, nothing outside the tomb. Do you know why? None of them believed he would get back up. How many know we wouldn't want that said about us either, right? We wouldn't want that put in the scripture. We need to know that the moment Jesus died, they gave up. They threw in the towel. Not only did the women, not but Mary Magdalene didn't believe it, like they've stolen the body. She gives the news to the guys, and here's what, the way they responded in Luke 24. It says, but they did not believe the, the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Not a lot's changed, right? With the men. Come on, we're hard-headed. Look at verses 3 through 5. It says this. Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter, reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go in. Verse 6 says, Simon Peter came along behind him, went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. And here's the key phrase. He saw and he believed. I find that interesting on, on numerous levels, but John didn't believe because of Jesus' teachings. He didn't believe because of some miracle he remembered. John believed when he saw for himself the empty tomb. When he saw for himself that Jesus had defeated death, he started to believe. So Jesus' followers did not re-engage because of a teaching, a philosophy, or an idea. Jesus' followers re-engaged because they saw Jesus. They saw him die. They felt like it was over. And they saw him alive again. The cool thing is, is that when they saw him alive again, Scripture says that they started preaching. And I love this because they didn't preach his teachings. They didn't preach his philosophy. They didn't even preach his love. They preached a four-point sermon. And here's what they said. You all killed him. God raised him. We've seen him. Now tell him you're sorry. 
That was their message. You killed him. God raised him. We've seen him. Now say you're sorry. That is their message. Peter's sermon is so bold and it's powerful when you think that the moment Jesus was arrested, Peter flees the scene, afraid that he might be associated with Jesus, which could end up in him being crucified as well. So he's running for his life. He's scared. He's, he's lying. He's cutting people's ears off. He's, he's lying to little girls. I mean, he's doing all kinds of He's denying that he even knows Jesus, right? That's Peter. But the moment he recognizes Jesus defeated death, we find Peter preaching in Acts 3. He said, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. And when he preached this message, it spread throughout the city, and people got excited. They were pumped. What do we need to do to be saved? And here's what Peter said in Acts 2. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. This is the best weekend to put your faith in Christ. As we look at the miracle of this story, that the church has survived more than 20 centuries, it's a miracle when you consider the fact that no one believed when Jesus died. And that's why Jesus said it like this in Revelation 1.18. He said, I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever, amen, and I hold the keys to death and hell. We serve the only God who makes that claim. Our God was dead, but how many know their God is dead? Big difference. The disciples, and you got you to gotta love Jesus because this is Jesus speaking right here in Revelation 1. He said, I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look. He wants the whole world to see. I'm alive forever and ever. Amen. And, and I love the amen because Jesus is saying, I'm preaching so good right now, I'm going to give myself an amen. I'm going to give myself a so be it. Because when you defeat death, hell, and the grave, how many know you deserve a good amen? You deserve a good praise the Lord, a good so be it. The disciples believed, they didn't believe, and then they believed again. Those who brought us the message of resurrection presented themselves first as cowards, but after the resurrection, they were so fired up about their faith in Jesus that they were willing to die for what they believed in. Many of them died a martyr's death. How many? You're not dying for someone who didn't defeat death. Like if Jesus doesn't get up, There ain't nobody laying their life down. But they saw him resurrected. They saw death defeated. And so Jesus conquered death. But Easter is more than just we coming together, all of us coming together to celebrate an event that happened 2,000 years ago. Easter is about you and I realizing that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can resurrect any dead thing, anything in our life that's dying, that God has the potential to resurrect that. Jesus got up, which means you can get up. I am so fired up right now because I just, I, I know in my heart that there are people here, there are people that are watching today, and you got dead things in your life, you have things that are dying on the inside of you, 
And I want to encourage you this Easter weekend to give the Holy Spirit access to the things in your life that are dead. Because anything that's dead that God touches will experience a resurrection. I don't care if it's a marriage, a financial situation, a job. I I don't care if it's a relationship. Give the Holy Spirit access to the dead things. Jesus experienced a resurrection, and so can you. But the question is, how do I know? If I need a resurrection, how do I know, Pastor, if I need a resurrection in my life? And I'm so glad you asked because death has three symptoms. The first symptom of death is is exhaustion. And God, in prayer, began to show me that many people would show up this weekend. And the truth is, if you could be totally honest, you're here, but you're exhausted. And exhaustion is more than just being tired. I mean, you can have a hard day at work and be tired and go to bed and wake up refreshed. But exhaustion is when you rest and, and, and you're still tired. You, you go to sleep early, you sleep 12 hours, you're still tired. You take days off work, you're still tired. You, you can't recover. You're, you're exhausted. And it's more than a physical fatigue. It's emotional fatigue. You're, you're at a place where you are completely worn down. Daniel prophesied about this in Daniel 7. He said one of the enemy's objectives is to wear out the saints, to bring us to a place of exhaustion. Many of you are exhausted. The second symptom of death is emptiness. What a terrible feeling. It's the feeling that comes when you're struggling to feel. Have you ever been in a place where you you were in a season or just came through a season where you had been through so much that you had become numb? You no longer have the ability to feel. And you think, what's missing? Why do I have this void? During this phase of death, many people try to satisfy their emptiness with things that can never satisfy. They turn to relationships that they don't need, to greed, to sex, to drugs, whatever it may be, to try to satisfy the the numbness, to satisfy the emptiness. And, And I just want to be an encouragement to you that Jesus is the only one qualified to deal with your emptiness. He's the only one qualified to do that. The third phase of death as the worship team comes back is enslavement because the enemy's ultimate goal is to bring you to a place of enslavement where you feel like you are trapped, where you don't have the answer, where your situation will never turn around. This is the way it's going to be. But when I look at the story of resurrection, and I love celebrating Jesus defeating death, but there's a few things that I I want you to see real quick. When Jesus defeated death, and he started revealing himself to his disciples. On one occasion, he's, he's, he's in a room with Thomas. Everybody say Thomas. Thomas. We all know Thomas because he's what? He's doubting Thomas. How would you like to be labeled doubting Chad for 2,000 years? <laughs> but he's labeled that because Thomas struggles to believe. And, and so Jesus shows up. And, and, he, and he ministers there to Thomas. And what he does for Thomas, he says, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand in my side. He's given Thomas access, not, not just to his resurrection power. He's giving Thomas access to his pain. He's saying, Thomas, look what I've been through for you. See, a lot of times in church, you know what we do? We want to share all the powerful moments. Every time God healed us, every time God brought us through and gave us the new job, and we want to celebrate in the resurrection, in the power, in in, in those triumphant moments. 
But sometimes people don't need to hear about your miracle. You need to show them your scars. That God was faithful through the negative situation. God brought you through a season in which you didn't think you would make it. And, and sometimes it's not the resurrection story people need. They need to see our pain. They need to see that God sustained us in the midst of our problems, in the midst of our trial. In Luke 24, Jesus encourages his followers to handle him. The word handle means to touch, to squeeze, or to feel. He gives the, the disciples permission to examine his resurrected body. Why does Jesus do that? Because he, he wants them to know that God, as powerful as he is, God is touchable. God is touchable. And that is good news. Because you may be here today and you're exhausted, you're empty, you're enslaved, you're in a negative place spiritually. But what you need to know about our Heavenly Father is that He is touchable and He's not afraid to get His hands dirty and He will meet you right there where you are. And the message of Easter that Jesus wants to communicate to His church today is simply, it's not over. Jesus got up and so can you. He experienced the resurrection and so can you. Give the Holy Spirit access to anything in your life that is dead and I promise you it can't stay dead because anything God touches has to be resurrected. Anything God touches has to be healed. Anything God touches has to change and I believe that this Easter weekend you can experience that resurrection power in any place in your life where you feel like you are dying, any place where you feel enslaved, exhausted, any place that you feel empty, God is saying I am touchable. I will meet you at the place of your pain and I will give you a resurrection if you believe it today. Come on, stand to your feet. Give God the best praise you have all day. Come on church. Give him praise. He's worthy. The disciples gave up. They threw in the towel. Jesus defeated death. And they believed again. You're here today. Some of you need a resurrection in your life. As you bow your heads for just a moment, close your eyes, no one looking around. For some of you, the resurrection that you need is the forgiveness of sins. You need Jesus to come into your heart. You need him to forgive you of all your sins. You need to be resurrected spiritually today. That's where it all starts. And I'm going to give you an opportunity. Those that are watching online, you also have this opportunity. But if you are in this room today, under the sound of my voice, and you would say, Pastor, you're speaking to me. I need a resurrection. I need to be saved. I'm not leaving this place the same way that I came in. I need Jesus. I need to be saved. If that's you on the count of three, I don't want you to think about it. I don't want you to hesitate. I don't want you to think, I'll get it next week. This is your moment. This is the opportunity for your resurrection to give the Holy Spirit access to your heart. If you need forgiveness today, if you need to be saved, one, two, three, shoot that hand up all over the building. Shoot them up, hold 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 them up. I see three in this section, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Hold them up, hold them up. 
16 here in the middle. I see you. 17, 18, 19. Anybody else? Come on, hold that hand up. One more over here, 20. Hold it up. Another one back here. God bless you. Just hold them up just for a minute. If you're watching online, it's not too late. There are hands going up all over this building. I'm not going to continue to count them. We're thankful. We believe that God is about to change your life in an incredible way. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you some words. These wo There's no magic in the words. We're just trying to help you express what's happening in your heart. Thank you for those two that are getting saved online as well. Get ready to pray with us. Come on, Bethesda, every voice lifted. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus for saving me on Easter weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate all those hands that have went up. Come on, Bethesda. Come on, if that was your son, your daughter, your spouse, your cousin, your friend, your coworker, come on, give praise for resurrection power today. Newness of life. We got one more thing to do. We got a worship song, and we're just going to believe God is going to move in a powerful way. But I want everybody in the room to do this. This is important because Bethesda believes in the power of prayer. Every seat has a prayer card. I want you to pick up the card, and I want you to fill out your prayer request. All right? And, and let me just share a testimony with you. We had a, a young man by the name of Brandon. I don't know if he's here today. I don't, I don't know if he's in this service. Uh, he may or may not be. But, but Brandon came to us in November, and he shared with us. It was a Sunday morning, and, and we had prayer lines. And he came up, and he said, Pastor, I just need God to heal me for seizures. I didn't understand how severe the seizures were at the moment. I was like, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to believe God will take care of the seizures. And, and so we prayed for him in November. And what I found out later is that the seizures were terrible, like grandma seizures, two and three times a week, happening at work, Lowe's, Walmart, like didn't even know how he was going to continue functioning in life because the seizures was, was just destroying his life. And I had no clue. I prayed a prayer of faith, a simple 30-second prayer of like, God, by your stripes, I know that we are healed, that you can heal Brandon of your seizures. I say Jesus' name. God bless you. Continue praying for people. It is April the 16th. Brandon hasn't had one seizure since November. Come on, church. Our God heals. Our God delivers. And so if you'll take that prayer card, write your prayer request in during this next worship song, leave it on your seat. You don't have to do anything with it. The team will come by and get it. We're going to be praying for miracles. If you receive Christ today, there is a box where you can check. Today, I made a decision to follow Jesus. Please let us know. We would love to connect with you, to help you take your next step in your faith with Jesus. But I think before we do all of that, I want you to participate in that. But before we do all that and sing this last song, can we give God the best praise we have all day? Come on, church. He's an awesome God. He's an awesome God. He's worthy of our praise. Thank you so much for being here at Easter at Bethesda. God bless you.
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.